Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Genesis 6, 1 through 21, and 8, 16 through 22. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Genesis in your Bible. When people began to multiply on the face of the ground, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that they were fair, and they took wives for themselves of all that they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in mortals forever, for they are flesh. Their days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went into the daughters of humans who bore children to them. These were the heroes that were of old, warriors of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. These are the descendants of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw that the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its width, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it a cubit above and put the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For my part, I'm going to bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its, own, to its kind, two of every kind shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it up, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. And every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out of the ark by families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took of every clean animal, and of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, 
I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, for the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Thank you, Sam. That's the word of the Lord for us today. We said at the very beginning when we started talking about the book of Genesis that the Bible, as well as uh, specifically the book of Genesis, brings up a lot more questions than it does answers for things. Uh, We saw that through uh, the creation narrative where God speaks the world into existence and all of the things that are in the world were, were good. And he gets to creating humankind and says they are very, very good. And he was really, really pleased. And uh, we said that, that God creates out of this love. Uh, and love, to be love, is, is freely given, right? And, and there has to be a, a choice, an opportunity to return that love. And so uh, God is living in communion with humanity and, and they are in this relationship of love. Well, we, we, uh, we went forward and we looked at uh, a talking snake, which brings up a whole lot of other questions that, that we might have. And this serpent uh, tempted Adam and Eve to eat from this tree that they were not supposed to, saying to them, if you eat this, you won't surely die. Uh, you'll just become like God, knowing good and evil and all those things. And, and so they, they began to believe, Adam and Eve did, that, that what God had told them and the instructions that God had given them weren't, well, like God was holding out on them. Uh, that there was something more that they should, they should know uh, and uh, that God wasn't maybe had their best interest in mind. And so they ate and the world breaks. Um, sin and brokenness and death enters the world. And uh, I think at the very heart of it, that's kind of what sin is. Believing that God's holding out on us or, or uh, us trying to grasp for things that we maybe aren't yet ready for or just to be in control of our own, our own destiny. Well, uh, we, we left Adam and Eve as they uh, were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and they, they did what married couples do, and they have a couple of children. One of them's name was Cain, and the other one's Abel. And, and Cain and Abel come to God, and they offer a sacrifice in worship to God, and, and God really likes Abel's sacrifice and doesn't like Cain's, and we have no idea why. Um, but we explored some, some possibilities. Maybe he just wasn't in the right frame of mind, or his heart wasn't quite right, and he had been doing this uh, a long time. Anyway, he's, God knows what's in Cain's mind, and, and he tells Cain, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to master you. Uh, but you, you don't have to submit to it. You don't have to, to do what it wants you to do. You can, this rough, prayer, rough paraphrase, you can, uh, you can defeat it. And uh, Cain, knowing that he, he's possible to do this, doesn't do it. And so in a, in a fit of maybe jealousy and rage, he kills his brother. And God comes to him after the, the thing, and he's like, hey, yo, Cain, where is Abel? And Abel responds, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I think that's maybe another part of, uh, of the sinfulness of humanity. We're always asking whether our neighbor our brothers and sisters in, in the world and maybe in real life, whether we are their keepers or not. Now, I don't mean you have to provide everything for all of your neighbors and things like that, but that, that we have a responsibility as people were created in the image of God to, to display and give the love that we have been given uh, to those around us. Uh, that yes, you are, you are in, in some ways your brother and sister's keepers. 
Well, um, we picked out the irony of that particular uh, situation because God um, curses Cain and says, you're no longer going to, he was a farmer, uh, it's, it's not going to go really well for you, it's going to be bad, you're going to be isolated, and uh, he whines and complains, he's like, my punishment is just too much for me to bear, <laughs> I can't endure the punishment that you're giving to me, uh, regardless of the fact that, you know, I just took somebody's life and they don't get to do anything anymore, and so it's a, just a, a thick level of irony there. Uh, we notice, though, at the end of that story that, that God doesn't just kind of kick Cain out and make him go his own way. Uh, Cain is, is concerned that someone's going to kill him, and God says, no, no. You've sinned, you've been unfaithful, but I'm still going to protect you. I'm still going to be faithful to you in your, in your wickedness in hopes that you will return the love that I have given and am giving to you. Well, Cain kills Abel, and um, uh, there's a, a YouTube video, that, a guy on YouTube that Nate watches, and he always says, shenanigans beget shenanigans, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, so like uh, trouble makes more trouble. It's just kind of a, a, a cycle, and it keeps going and going. And so not only do we have you know, brother killing brother, but we have all sorts of wickedness and evil upon the face of the earth. Shenanigans beget shenanigans. Well, God comes to, uh, we, we brings us up to the, um, the beginning of today's story, and, and it's the flood story, and we've cut out a whole chunk about the building of the ark and the animals and two by two, and, and that's important and intentional because I think sometimes we focus too much on that part of the story and not on what's happening around it and why God is doing what God is doing and where we fit in this. Because ultimately, I believe about the entirety of scripture, but specifically about Genesis, really, is that the main purpose of these stories is to show to us the character and nature of God. It's to reveal God to us in a way that we can understand. And it is a, an attempt to reveal to us how we are in our brokenness and our sinfulness. Uh, but it in that kind of two discovery, twin discovery, we, we begin to understand how it is that we relate to a good and right and merciful and gracious God as people who are unfaithful, disobedient, and very, very fickle. So that's what this story is about. This is about who God is. And, and I will say that the questions do not stop in this particular story. Uh, in fact, we, in Bible study, I think we asked you know, we, we have questions that we follow, and I think those questions brought up more questions, which brought up more questions, and I don't think we actually answered any of them, um, which is fine, because I think as long as we are seeing where this thing is going, uh, we're okay with, with open-ended questions. So, uh, verse, verse 6. Uh, and the Lord was sorry that he made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out the earth, uh, uh, from the earth the human beings I've created, people together with animals and creepy things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. That's, a, that's pretty dramatic. Like within the space of uh, two verses, God says, well, he expresses his regret at creating humanity. Uh, and I don't know if that, if that does anything for you, but I think that's a pretty powerful statement. And, it's, and, and maybe it raises some questions like, well, if God knew that this was, was going to happen, why, why did God 
do that? We'll try to answer that question in just a little bit. Um, I I, I don't want us to get bogged down, though, in some some of the questions that we could, like, how is a God who is perfect and all-powerful um, sorry? I, I don't think that's what we're meant to, to focus on. I think what we're meant to see in this uh, is that God's, that God's reaction is the same as a parent who is dealing with a, a wayward child. Not that they, maybe they're sad that they made the child. I don't, I don't know if any parent ever is sad that they made their child except maybe when they're newborns and they wake up every three hours. Uh, Put it back. Um, uh, But I think that's the picture of of what God is in in this moment. God has created out of a great great outflowing of love, uh, this magnificent creation, this this wonderful world that's filled with beauty and and life and this, this creature that was made in his very own image so that he could be in relationship with it. And, and how just bad it has gotten. And, and if you've ever done something with really, really good intentions, but it's come back to bite you, you understand this feeling. Like it's, it's, it's palpable. You feel it. Uh, the regret, the sorrow, uh, the, the, the heartache, the heartbreak that is a result. I think this is where, where God is at this moment. The world has... It's just so thoroughly bad that something had to be done. Uh, The second thing is uh, that I will blot out from the earth human beings, the human beings I've created. Um, There are two ways that this word in Hebrew can be, uh, there's probably more than two ways, but there's two specifically, one here and then one in 1 Kings. And uh, if this one kind of is like you're writing something on parchment, you're, you're a scribe in Israel, and you're writing something down, and, uh, and you make a mistake. And, and because parchment is really, really hard to make and kind of really expensive and precious, like you can't just leave the mistake, and you can't throw away the scroll you're working on writing. So you take something, and you, you wipe off the ink before it gets set in there really good. You blot it out so that you can correct the mistake so that what you're writing is, is intelligible. Uh, the, second, the second image in, in First Kings, anyway, is, is more of a, you've taken a plate, and you've finished a meal, and on that plate are the remnants of whatever it is that you're eating. I'm imagining taco meat and salsa and cheese, right? Because that's, that's a dirty one, right? Because it, it just all falls out of the taco. And, and the image is that God is taking this plate and God is, God is wiping the plate off. Just standing over the trash can or the garbage disposal and just wiping it off. It's, it's clean. Now what's important, I think, for both of these images is, uh, is that they are cleaned and cleared so that they can be used again. So that we might finish the story we're writing, or that we might set the table again to offer a, a bountiful feast. And I, but I think, I think that's what God is doing. That, that God is taking the remnants of, of what is His creation is the badness of it, and He's wiping it off. And it isn't judgment for judgment's sake. 
It's not just because God is angry at the sinfulness of humanity, but it is judgment and uh, punishment for the sake of recreation, of starting again, of giving humanity a second chance. If we press those metaphors too hard, they probably break down. But I want you to grasp the, the sorrow of what God is feeling in this moment. And maybe even the sorrow of what God had to do to bring creation back, back on track. Well, um, you, you might ask, uh, well, I think if we, if we go too far, we end up with this, oh, a bad conception of who God is. I, I think this can lead us into really bad places about uh, the anger of God. and it, it might lead us into bad places about conversations about like, well, what can God actually do? Uh, how powerful is, is our God that we're confessing and singing about in, in like every song this week? Uh, here's what I think has happened. Like, so if, if God, if, the, if people were going to sin and God knew that they were going to sin, why did he let it get this bad? Why, why did he let it get to the point where there needed to be a wiping away, uh, a restart? I, I think it's God limiting himself. It's not that God couldn't do it, but I think because, because of God's love, God doesn't do it. Maybe this, this will help. Uh, we have The Rock, which is our community youth group. And uh, we meet at um, <clears throat> the old Curves building. I don't know if it's in town. It says The Rock now. It's all rock walls. I think it used to be a YMCA. The, the building has been a million different things since before we got here. Anyway, the, the ceilings are low. They're like... I, I don't know. I'm, Jesse wouldn't hit his head, but it's close. Um, and, and we just unexposed fluorescent tube lighting, right? That's just it's industrial lighting. And one of the, our very favorite things to do is to play Foursquare. Like any given Sunday night when we gather and you, you drop off your kid, if you've got a kid, or if you just peek into the window, you will see a line from the, the Foursquare we have taped on the floor at the back of the building, and it will stretch all the way to the door. Uh, and and it's, it gets kind of wild. But we have some very, very specific rules because of the low ceilings and the lights. Now, if you're outside, one of the greatest moves ever is the cherry bomb, right? You just smack that ball as hard as you can, and it will bounce, and it will go who knows where, and your opponent will be out. We can't do that. Because <laughs> if we do, something's going to get damaged. In, in fact, um, I have a, we've decided to take, this isn't, this isn't related to anything, but we've decided to take like all of the referee kind of hand signals from all of the different sports. And I referee pretty much every week. I sit in a chair and I call people out. So when, when you're out, you know, like, like I bring you up like in baseball, um, you know, if it's, if you, if you serve wrong, it's a false start. And, uh, you know, this is a, a foul ball. It hits the inside line. Nobody plays it. Anyway, uh, it's not that we don't have the ability to play as aggressively as you might do outside. It's that we've agreed to a set of rules that govern the play of the game. And we have limited ourselves to those, to those actions. I think this is what, what God has done uh, because if, if God is giving love, right? If, if love always has to be freely given and it, it, it 
can never be coerced that God is saying to himself, I can make you love me. I have the capacity and the ability to. I can make you be good and right and obedient. I have the capacity to do that. I have the capacity to make the world exactly into what I want it to be. Actually, that's, uh, that's the Lego movie, right? I just thought about that. Like, yeah, the craggle. Uh, go watch the Lego mo- movie. You'll, you'll understand what I mean. God, but God, because of his love for us, limits what he's going to do so that we can freely choose to give love in return. I think, I think, that's, I think it's maybe my best answer for why we get this far. Now, there's lots of other answers I don't have for. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll also say that, uh, that uh, God knows all the possibilities. I think that uh, God's hoping in wooing us to make the right choices in along this. It has been from the beginning. Well, in the midst of this chaotic world, <clears throat> Noah emerges as faithful and obedient and righteous. So God directs him to build an ark and to gather up all these animals and, uh, and to get into the ark and then the rain will come and it takes him like over 100 years and he's already old at this point and people are laughing at him and making fun of him because, you know, it's never ever rained before. Lots of other questions uh, involved in that too. But you might say, like, why in the world does God ask Noah to build an ark? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't he just have said, like made this little floating island above all of the water and, and sat all of the animals they wanted to, to keep on that island along with Noah and his family and they could just peacefully wait out without seasickness or anything. And uh, John Wesley, who is our, one of our, well, our, our main kind of theological forefathers, the, the theological swim, stream we swim in, uh, he, he asks the same question. He says, he says, God could have done that. Oh, but God invites Noah to participate in his own salvation. Uh, and in the same way, God invites us to participate in our own salvation too. That, that God could say, you're safe. It's good. It's great. You don't have to do a thing. But that's not what God does. God invites us to respond to the love in ways that are faithful and obedient. Uh, it's why we do things, that's why we're doing this right now, right? It's, it's, it's why we gather together to hear um, a bald man talk about scripture. It, <laughs> we do that because, because we need help. Like, this is part of God enabling and encouraging and equipping us to live faithful and responsible Christian lives. So here's... A long time ago, I, I became absolutely convinced of this. That not just are we saved from something. Uh, okay, hold on, let me back up. God is always calling us to participate in our own salvation. God, God's grace helps us do that. The Spirit helps us do that. Uh, I think, though, as, as we, we look at this story, too, I think Noah was not only saved from the flood, right? His family was spared death and destruction. God saved him from that evil flood. 
But God saved him for a purpose, too. And that purpose was to go forth and to, in faithfulness and obedience, be fruitful and multiply, which is the same command God gives Adam and Eve at the very beginning. It, it kind of is a theme. It would participate in God's creation of the world. Anyway, I think you and I, we are not just saved from hell. Here and now or in eternity. But that we are saved to something as well. We are, we are saved and restored and redeemed so that we can go out and help others find that same salvation in word and in deed. I am convinced the longer that I have been Christian, that I am a Christian not just for myself, but for the sake of those around me. Which I think is the driving, uh, just through my own life, and, and my belief that the mission of the church is to say our mission is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Like that's, that's part of your salvation. It's working out, participating with what God is doing in you for the sake of the world. Now don't get a big head, okay? Like you are nobody's savior. Nobody's. But what you are are God's hands and feet and heart in this world to be able to love. Well, I, I said that we, we understand who, part of what this is to understand who God is. How do, we, how do we describe God in this? I think we got, describe God as steadfast and faithful and loving and loyal while at the same time holding us accountable for the things that we do. That was part of uh, Cain last week, right? Cain still had punishment for what he did, but God was still faithful in the midst of that, in the midst of that evil, or in the midst of his acts. This is how we are to be in the world. Steadfast and loving and faithful and loyal while holding people to accountability uh, in the same way that, that God has been in grace and mercy. God is inviting us to participate in our salvation and in the salvation of the world. Um, I think the other thing we, we can see about God in and, and this particular thing, we're going to talk about it next week, is that salvation for all of creation is not going to come through destruction. It's not going to come through uh, the world burning down, but that it comes through the self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That I think the church a lot has, has focused on being angry with people who sin, and we wreak our own kind of destruction on them when that's not going to ever transform anybody's heart. But love will. The long-suffering, patient, faithful love that we have been given, we need to learn to give it away as well. That's how I think that well, we, we find out who we are in this passage too. We are unfaithful and fickle, 
and evil continually in our thoughts and inclinations. Uh, and, and, but that we are not alone in that. That God is present with us, providing us our own little ark so that we might participate in our own salvation and then go out and help others find that salvation as well. I think uh, the meal um, that we're going to receive here in a second, it is part of how I think we participate in our salvation. Like I said, it's not magical. It is mysterious. But it connects us to the fact that salvation is not, well, it's not God destroying the world, but it's God taking all of that destructive evilness upon himself absorbing it and doing away with it for our sake. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.